Hey, everyone. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 543 being recorded on Wednesday, May BB 8th, 2019. That's May 8th. I guess we, we missed May 4th, Star, uh, right. Star Wars Day. So Sebastian uh, edited our show notes to denote that today is not May 8th, but May BB 8th. BB 8. I don't know. Hey, well, I'm Jim Tannis. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Sebastian Peek. And I'm Brett Van Spruenberg. Yes, we have a special guest. Nice that that is you, a, a, a new voice you may be hearing. Uh, Brett is the magician, uh, along with his wife, Michelle, behind our new website. Uh, Blue Sky Phoenix was the, uh, the design uh, and concept, uh, I guess, side of things. And then, um, uh, shoot, I'm sorry, I forgot already the, uh, the, name, of, the name of the company, Brett. Um, <laughs> Binary Studios. Binary Studios. I was going to say the other one. Sorry. Sorry, uh, Binary okay. Studios is the web design firm, um, and we are getting a little bit of uh, webcam weirdness going on right now. I just but, I just lost my backlight. Oh, okay. Um, just having a little whitey. But uh, no, that's fine. I'll so take care of it. Brett is uh, a, a a fan of the site and mutual friends with our good former colleague Alan. That's how we found him. And so Brett and Michelle have been working tirelessly for like the last gosh four or five months. And they're the, the ones who, who dragged our site out of that Drupal mess and into the WordPress future. So if you haven't had a chance yet, head over to PCPro.com. Check out the new site. We launched it uh, last uh, Friday or Saturday. Uh, so it's been a few days. Things are off to a great start. And uh, uh, we're very happy with everything. And we're ha- glad to have Brett joining us because Josh uh, Josh is still around. Josh has not gone to Intel, despite rumors. Josh is merely visiting uh, with some industry partners uh, or industry friends uh, in England. So he's gone this week, but we'll be back uh, next week. And actually, speaking of next week, uh, we're going to have to adjust the podcast recording time. Uh, it'll probably be Tuesday uh, because I'll be uh, out in California on Wednesday. So I won't be able to host uh, at Wednesday or Thursday of that week. So next week, maybe a day early. But if you want to know when we go live, you can always go to pcper.com slash subscribe and uh, sign up for our mailing list. This is where we send a plain text email. Well, I guess it's not technically plain text. I was told that it's not technically plain text. There is a a logo there, but uh, it's a plain regular kind of email that we just send out about an hour or so before we go live so that, you know, if you want to join us for the live show, you can do that. And uh, we are the the one week he's not here. I finally remember to bring it back. It's Patreon, patreon.com slash PCPer. Uh, if you've been with us for a while, you remember the old crew used to do this thing where if you became a new patron during the live stream or you increased your pledge, uh, the you know, at, at the time it was Ryan, he would get a notification and he would read out whatever your name was or whatever you put in the name field when you made that pledge or increased your pledge. And uh, it was it was pretty, pretty funny. You know, if you just want your name, that's fine. If you want to make us say something embarrassing, hey, we're all for it. So we're going to bring that back if you'd like to do that. Uh, just do it now while you're watching live. I'll get a notification here and uh, read your name or message live uh, with the one caveat being I won't say anything that'll get me arrested. Uh, so that's a that's pretty, pretty liberal policy, I think, pretty generous on the uh, uh, on the uh, the messaging policy. But uh, thanks for checking that out. Uh, but let's jump into the show. We've got a couple reviews this week. Uh, first off, we've got a review from Sebastian of a new Lenovo gaming laptop. Yeah, it's it's fairly new. This is something that I think we actually got in February, and it's 
if you look at the specs, this, by the way, is the Legion Y7000 laptop. This particular model is the Y7000P-1060. And as you might be able to tell from the 1060, this has a GTX 1060 in it. So we're not latest and greatest here. We're obviously a generation back with the, with this GPU. The processor is an 8th gen. It's an 8750H, a Core i7, 16 gigabytes of RAM. It's got um, dual storage. So you have a traditional one terabyte, two and a half inch hard drive. This particular model is paired with a 256 gigabyte NVMe SSD from Samsung. So specs are decent. The, the list pricing on this is $1099. What was interesting about it is as I finally finished this review and got it on the site yesterday, Costco, which is one of the, the big chains selling this particular laptop, this is a very much a mainstream mid-range gaming machine that you'd find at walmart.com or at Costco. And if you're a member there, they're selling it for $899. So that's another $200 off. So at that price, this starts to look a lot more appealing, even with a GTX 1060 in it. And it's a 15.6-inch uh, 1080p display. It's IPS. And if you if you look at the pictures, like this is a very understated design. There's no RGBs anywhere. It has very much a business style to it. Once you actually have it open and are using it, it has a pretty large keyboard with a numpad, uh, just plain white key backlighting that you can enable. Uh, has very similar feel and key travel to recent ThinkPad models that I've tried. It's a 1.7 millimeter key travel. And they they put a lot into things like the cooling system on this. It's a bit thicker of a laptop. It's a little over an inch thick at the back. And they have two pretty large fans, one on either side, which they said helps with kind of the balance, reduces vibration. And also because they're larger fans, they're not spinning quite as fast. These do not have any kind of a whine to them just kind of a whooshing air sound when the fans were spinning at, at max. So overall, uh, very well made with a couple of caveats. It was kind of a mixed bag as I was going through and sort of judging everything. The display, while it gets pretty bright, I got mine, I measured it at 355 lux. They only advertise 300 nits on the display, but good viewing angles, decent brightness. It's an anti-glare display. This is actually a matte finish display. but the colors out of the box were not very accurate. They were overly warm and had kind of a greenish hue. So if you are concerned with that, you'd need to do a calibration, which, you know, mid-range, not geared towards creative professionals. I, I'm not surprised you don't come with a, like a factory calibration on the display here. Gaming performance, uh, if you're watching along in the video, we're looking at just a couple of quick charts. I did I tested three games really quick just to see what kind of performance I was getting while plugged into the wall because performance... On battery, you, it's not really worth it as far as I'm concerned on most gaming laptops. This is no exception. You hit that, uh, not really a thermal wall, but you certainly hit a power limit on the GPU. And But when it's plugged into the wall, it's very close to a desktop experience. I, I compared it against some recent benchmarks with a 1060, 6 gigabyte uh, Founders Edition card. It's pretty close. Actually, the Shadow of the Tomb Raider, for, because that game hates me, those were completely out of whack and the mobile part is beating the desktop part. So I'm, I'm blaming that on that was a slightly older benchmark. I benchmarked that last on desktop, I think in January. So maybe drivers have improved the performance a little bit, but if any drawbacks to it, I could find were the actual, the lid, which feels really nice and looks great. It's made out of aluminum is fairly thin towards the top and it would be perfect in a 13 inch form factor, but without any bracing, 
in the lid to speak of, it gets a little bit, uh, there's less rigidity at the top corners. So you can, you can flex the lid enough to discolor the LCDs. And I worry about it breaking the LCD if, if you were to have enough of an impact. So if you're throwing this in a laptop bag, it has to be one of those with a dedicated compartment, that sort of thing. But as, as something that's probably going to be used primarily on a desk or a table, uh, which is really essential because of the way the cooling system on this works, where it draws in air from the bottom and expels it from the back. I, I didn't have any real issues with it. The, the only other thing I can think of is that the keyboard is kind of squishy towards the middle. So it'd be nice if it had a little bit better bracing. It's only really noticeable if you're kind of a heavy-handed typist like I am. But the trackpad on this thing is one of the best I've ever used on a Windows laptop. It's It's excellent in every way that it needs to be. So they really got that right. I've been impressed with some of the very smooth, very responsive trackpads from recent ThinkPads. And this is right up there with the input on those. So if you can find it in that like $900 range, this is pretty compelling, even though you are getting a 1060, which is still a solid 1080p gaming GPU, kind of at a level of a, maybe like a, not quite like, so it's a little bit better than a 1650 perhaps, uh, but somewhere in between that and like a 1660 on desktop. All right. Awesome. So, uh, like you said, at that Costco price, really good deal. Yeah. It's, I mean, the great thing about new parts coming out, product refreshes is that, especially, I mean, for pre-built systems, I good luck finding a deal on Newegg or Amazon on last year's core i7 processor for desktop because those keep their value. But on pre-built systems, you always see sales rebates, uh, you know, prices marked down at Best Buy and, and then there are usually tremendous deals at membership warehouses like Costco. And for a laptop like this, you know, something that probably would have been around $1,200, $1,300 when, you know, the Pascal was still fairly new. Now you can go out, get the same performance a year or two later and considerable cost savings. It's a very nice machine. So, All right. Uh, sorry, I had to mute myself there for a second. Somebody was texting me across the room. Couldn't, couldn't get to the iPad. Texting but... from within the room? Or no, sorry. Or, they were texting on oh. another device that was not muted over there. So, uh, all right. So that's a, that's a, a, a nice uh, a nice option from Lenovo to check out uh, if you're looking for something mid range at a good price. Awesome. So uh, check that out. Uh, the four reviews over at PCPer at the new PCPer.com with uh, lots of great photography, as we always get in Sebastian's reviews. Uh, next up, we've got another review, a product that launched this morning, and this was. Uh, a pretty exciting product for some people who are fans of Logitech gaming mice, the G502, which is a gaming mouse. It's it's uh, Logitech told us it was the most or the best selling gaming mouse on the market with over 4 million units sold. And uh, I don't have any independent stats to back that up, but I do know it's a very popular choice. It's been on the market in some form or other since 2014. There's been a few revisions to it. And this one is the G502 Lightspeed. And it's the G502 that you know and love, but wireless with Logitech's light speed, low latency technology. But not just wireless, it also adds support for PowerPlay, which is Logitech's wireless charging mousepad system that we first looked at back, I think it was towards the end of 2017. They launched with a few different mice. Uh, I think it was the G703 and the G903. They then, at some point after that, added the Pro Wireless mouse, and so this would be the fourth the fourth mouse that works with their uh, PowerPlay charging system. And 
I hadn't used, I had used the G502 at some point a few years ago, not regularly. I think it was right after I got to the old PC per offices where you had some, some Logitech mice around. It was a wired mouse, very comfortable, very high performance, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, but I hadn't really used one for any extended period of time. And so this was my first chance to really use one. And this is a fantastic mouse, not just for gaming, but just for productivity. It's comfortable. It, the buttons are in the right place. You know, that they're not awkwardly positioned like we, we've seen on some other mice recently. The the performance, the, the way that the, the uh, feet slide across your mouse, uh, mouse pad, it's smooth, it's accurate. It's got adjustable weights, uh, which is nice. Uh, so you can really kind of fine tune how it feels in your hand. So it's, it's a really nice mouse. It's got the Hero 16K sensor. It's a 16,000 DPI sensor, fully adjustable in one DPI increments. Uh, it's got the DPI shift button, which is uh, uh, a button on where your thumb is so that you can, as long as you keep that pressed, it shifts down to a different DPI. Uh, some other, I think Corsair calls it the sniper button. Uh, I think HyperX is a different name for it. This is a common kind of feature, but they've got it too. And it's, it's a, uh, uh, well-positioned, works well. There's the new Logitech G-Hub software, which allows you to customize the mouse. All It's 11 customizable buttons. So just overall, a really nice mouse, just kind of on its own. But then you pair it with PowerPlay, and they're sold separately, so it's not a package thing. So you got the wireless G502, and then you can add PowerPlay optionally. But when you do that, you're basically getting infinite battery life. The whole mouse pad is a wireless charging device. And so as long as the mouse is on that pad somewhere, it's getting power, it manages it for you. It's not gonna keep it at 100% all the time. Like for me, it was kind of hovering in the 80s to low 90s, but you can have aggressive RGB lighting on, you can have the highest uh, polling rate on, all these things that normally suck battery life from other gaming mice. And you don't have to worry about it because it continues to charge. And it, it and I really like the power play. I reviewed it for PC Per back in 2017. I still, in this revisiting of it, really like it. It works. It works super uh, super well. It's got a built-in light speed uh, receiver, so you always get you know a good uh, a good connection. You're not worried about like losing that that uh, light speed wireless connection. Really a nice option. It is pricey though. It's 149.99 for the mouse uh, MSRP. And then you it's compare that. Bucks. I'm sorry. More or less, it's about fifty bucks, isn't it? Fifty bucks compared to the the tailed version. Oh yes, yes. I'm sorry. So yes, the wired G502, uh, which would be the Spectrum. I can't remember which one they they yep. updated last fall. That uh, I think I think the list price is a little higher, but you can find it for yeah fifty sixty bucks. Uh, so it's quite a price premium over the uh for the wireless one over the wired now again you have to weigh what is worth it to you in terms of having a, a wireless mouse and if you're using it with power play it's not truly wireless either because you still got a wire running to your power play pad it's not as bad as having it connected directly to the mouse but you know something to think about did you feel any latency that you actually noticed or no, that's that's the thing uh with this mouse um it is I, I'm not a professional gamer. I'm not a yeah. um, you know a, a, a competitive gamer. So I'm. I don't I can't comprehend say, the sniper button and wish I could reprogram it because I don't need it. <laughs> right, right. It's yeah. it's. Uh, I get you. 
So, so, I, but from my experience, I didn't notice any difference between using yeah. this and using uh, what I was, because I, I rotate through mice. We get mice in for review. I switch around. I was right immediately prior to this, I was using a Corsair, I was using the Iron Claw, Corsair Iron Claw, which is wired. Mm -hmm. And um, didn't notice any difference in latency that I could tell from gaming, productivity, doing video editing, photo editing. It felt natural. It, it works really well. In terms of just pure comfort, I would say that the Iron Claw kind of beats it out. Again, I really like that the Iron Claw, which is a, a mouse we reviewed last uh, or a couple weeks ago. Uh, actually, we reviewed the, the wired version back in January. The wireless version of the Iron Claw came out a couple weeks ago. The problem was on that wireless version, they added some buttons that aren't in a comfortable spot, I think. so. In, but in terms of, of pure comfort, the wired Iron Claw for me is still slightly better. But in every other category, the G502... Uh, stands out and it's it's right now my favorite mouse for not just gaming but general purpose uh usage so we gave it a a 93 which is a, a pretty high score we're trying to as part of the new site introduce these these new metrics for measuring and comparing products and uh i, I gave it an editor's choice it's as of as of right this minute the wireless g502 lightspeed is uh my favorite mouse that i would recommend if you're looking at that price range i mean it is a high price if you consider the 150 for the uh, for the mouse plus the hundred dollars for the uh, the uh, power play, 250 dollars. It's a lot of money. Yeah. But from my view, I'm using that thing all day. I'm using it more than I probably use my keyboard uh, in terms of like just actual time. Uh, so uh, it's uh, it's worth it. It's worth it for me. In that uh, these in guys that need sense. to come out with a smartwatch now. A smartwatch. You can charge it while you're uh, mousing away on your top of your. Uh... Oh, oh sure, yeah, yeah. It it uh, the pad uh, for those who hadn't seen our original PowerPlay review, the pad doesn't charge other devices. It's specifically tuned for the mice. Look, if you put your your phone on there, your your wireless charging phone or, or smartwatch, it's not going to pick up the signal or anything. Um, so it it's just for your mouse for now. But yeah, uh, as long as it doesn't give me cancer, that's all I care about. As long as I don't end up getting cancer, everything in my, gives you my cancer. Wrist. Don't worry about it. That's true. Everything does. <laughs> But uh, no, there's no, uh, no, no, I'm joking there, of course. I have, there's no, no evidence that this uh, technology is uh, any more carcinogenic than anything else. But uh, so I, I really like it. Check it out. It's the, uh, the G502 Lightspeed and the, and the PowerPlay, which again is not a new product, but uh, is we're revisiting because of this, this new mouse there. I have a strange request for you. Sure. Does it rattle when you shake it? Nope. Solid, pretty solid. Yeah, nice I've mouse. had to take them apart. I've had to take them apart before, and this is like uh, Logitech Seven Ten. I had to actually take it apart and put some uh, buffering pieces inside of it because it was making too much noise as I was mousing back and forth. Oh wow, yeah, no, no, no problem with this one. At least, at least so far. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe over time it'll wear down. Some stuff will start to loosen up. But uh, I've, I've been using it pretty, pretty extensively for about ten days, and I haven't had a problem yet. So cool. All right, uh, let's jump into the news. Uh, we've got a, uh, a news story first up, uh, our friends at Be Quiet. We saw this back at CES, I think. Uh, they yeah. teased this, and now they're getting ready to launch it for, for, uh, for real. And this is the, uh, the Slim, Dark Rock Slim cooler. Why don't you tell us about this, Sebastian? Well, if, you've, if you're familiar with the Dark Rock series, it's, it's bigger tower cooler designs from Be Quiet. And we're talking about coolers that are on par with like a Noctua D14 or D15, large dual 
tower designs like the Dark Rock Pro. There's a Dark Rock 4, which is a little bit smaller, large single tower design. And now the Dark Rock Slim. The thing about the Dark Rock series is while they are tall enough to not really have any memory incompatibility problems if you're using standard DIMMs, if you do have like overclocking memory or anything with a taller uh, heatsink profile, you often have to make concessions about where your rear fan is. You might have to raise the fan or omit the fan on the dual tower designs. And we've been doing that kind of stuff for years with test benches and things like the D14. So this is the same kind of smaller footprint of like a hyper, like a hyper 212 Evo. We have one slim tower that doesn't even reach the dim slots. So there's no compatibility issues whatsoever. What's interesting about this is they have a 180-watt TDP and maximum 23.6 dBA fan. So this is a low-spinning fan, a maximum 1,500 RPM fan. And it's one of their Silent Wings 3 fans, which are very, very quiet. I've used one of these, uh, a couple of them in a case build. So I have one in to test. Now this has been um, announced. That'll be on the test bench soon. So we can see what the performance is like as this uh, launches, I think, the middle of this month. It it looks it looks great. I love the... I don't know how you guys feel about the all-black aesthetic. A lot of the Be Quiet stuff is blacked out like this, very stealthy, and it's going to be kind of on the premium side for a cooler like this uh, at $60, I think, US, $59.90 is the MSRP. But it, it is nice to be able to get a solution like this that doesn't pose any compatibility issues. And I cannot remember... The Noctua cooler that this reminds me of, that's it's that same like single tower, uh, no dim slot overhang. And they're, I think it's in that same like $60, $65 range. So I'll have to see how this uh, stacks up. All right. So uh, keep an eye out for your review there. As uh, like you said, there, there's a, uh, it's it's been announced, but not officially launched yet. So we'll have more to say later this month. Uh, next up, we've got a uh, an interesting story. Uh, Thermal Take is no stranger to crazy, high-priced, high-end, ostentatious stuff. You know, the level, was it the level 10 case that was $1,000 a few years ago? Um, they've got some, some pretty crazy stuff out there. And Jeremy found a keyboard that's uh, coming out, the uh, level 20 RGB mechanical gaming keyboard with some phone functionality. Yep. It's not tacky. It's Thermal Take key. Ah, <laughs> I'm sorry. It just it, I couldn't read it any other way since I put this up here. It's an odd choice, but for people who have got their nose constantly buried in their phones, it actually makes sense because it lets you connect your phone up and uh, the, the little pro- program itself, uh, the iTake engine, gives you a bunch of control over Windows. Uh, it lets you talk to Alexa and... Any of the RGB apps uh, on your motherboard, it will probably be able to control them. So you're able to bring up that interface that you would use use to program your light show on the phone itself, which is, you know, fairly unique. It's certainly not something that I remember seeing uh, on a thermal take board, let alone any other mechanical keyboard recently. But whereas something like this that has Cherry MX speed switches in it, which should run you about a hundred bucks plus or minus, depending on what it's got. This one's closer to 200 because of that module. So you've mm. got to really want to do it. But on the other hand, I mean, there is 
no other choice out there for phone and RGB addicts that need to satisfy both cravings simultaneously. Yeah. So they, they're saying nice. that they've got the, uh, the price listed is 160 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, all these keyboards that have, there've been a number of keyboards that have come out that, uh, anybody hear that? Yeah. Someone's on fire. Not, not it. It, it was me. Oh, okay. As usual. Everything okay? Everything's fine. That was just the dryer. Oh, good. Okay. So, you know. Well, should we Which pause? Apparently so was not hold? set to a silent. No, it's fine. Okay. You don't want to break change a load there or something? Or Yeah. It's fine. All right. Well, as I, I was... Any uh, laundry was... fetishists out there in the audience? We can... Uh, oh, yeah. Get Sebastian to do something for you. It's a comforter. It's not down. It's just a polyfill. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't really have any other details about it. Uh, It's white, I think. Uh, That's all I know. Yeah, you sound very manly. You've got a kid, so it is my. It is actually my son's. I think my wife was doing laundry earlier, and I didn't want to stop the dryer. No, no worries. Uh, Always, there's something exciting here at PC Per Live. so uh, as, as I was saying, the uh, these keyboards have come out, you know, specialized keyboards. There was the one with the OLED, like individual OLED keys. There was one. Oh, from, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. What was it? Uh, was what was the name of that company? Uh, DOS Keyboard. It had one that was uh, that would link to your phone and like certain keys would light up when you got a tweet. You know, uh, they, yes. they've had a total of three of those, actually. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yes, I may or may not have uh, at least one in for review that needs a review. But yeah, oh. that was their concept was you sign up for a notification service like IFFFT, I think was one of them. Mm-hmm. And you have to link it to different accounts. Like if you have, you want to link it to your Twitter account and have it send notifications to a particular key, like I could have the, the T key light up blue when somebody mentioned me. That would remind me, oh, Twitter mentioned. And you could have. You know, the escape key blink red if somebody was opening up your garage door. So it's just interesting functionality with, you know, hey, we have individual key backlighting on this keyboard. Let's do something with it other than just display colors. Sure. It's kind of an interesting concept, I guess I'll say. I, I personally don't find a use for it if I have my phone next to me. But if you're trying to disconnect a little bit, but you still want notifications, like if I get a new email, I could have like the M start blinking red or something so it's new spam notice on the website for instance yeah yeah yes i can just have the s blink endlessly yeah but i guess like does that stuff ever reach critical mass and take off like it seems they come they make some waves the verge writes an article about it and then it disappears Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. it's yeah the second you don't have to pay extra for it or put any after any more effort into it i'm sure you will see it everywhere Mm -hmm. but you want me to sign up for a bunch of services. You want me to shell out extra cash up front. You have this thing that, I mean, it, I'm going to be like a child at Christmas. I'm going to play with it once and then put it away and never look at it again. Yeah. So we'll see. But well, the, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. It, I didn't think there was any market for this at all, but that's just my own, you know, biased perspective looking at it. But the original DOS keyboard, um, what is it called? It's like, I know there's like a four some there's like a 5q the x50q the the original concept was crowdfunded and they they made their funding goal enough people wanted to buy one of these things they funded it but i think that was like two years ago so 
I wonder if just the complete saturation of just like the ubiquity of smartphones maybe has uh, made that less of a need. I, I'm not really making any sense, but maybe back in 2015, 16, there are still people who thought it was just an interesting idea to have notifications. I just think that the way that Apple implements the touch bar on their higher end notebooks is how I would like to see notifications on the keyboard. Just give me a keyboard. If it's going to be $250, just put like an OLED or some other form of strip on the top of it and give me notifications that way instead of using the keys. Yeah. They were supposed to build something like that, actually. There was a rumor that they yep. were going to build their their magic keyboard or the next version of the magic keyboard anyway with that touch bar. Never really happened, though. I'm not really sure where that went. Just a rumor. Well, I'm yeah, all they were for... too busy screwing up the key design. Oh, that's true. They got to they got to sort out the uh, the keyboard uh, switches themselves. They're very, first, but... very busy in in making a mess of that right now. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, and I'm all for the touch bar. I just don't like that it replaced the fu- the function keys. Like add it on top of those. I I hate on my MacBook having because like I want to increase the brightness or change the volume or F12, and I got to fumble for a. There's no physical tactile feedback. And that's, uh, I think you're supposed to ask Siri to do that for you. I tried, but she doesn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think, I, I think something like this, it would be really useful if you just had like a terrible relationship with your phone and didn't like using it. Like I, if you have a windows phone, for example, and are just frustrated by the misery of being a windows phone user. And I know there are people who are very passionate about it, but, and I, I liked it and I was on the bandwagon with my, uh, I think I got the 920 is when, when I started. And I have, I still have a Windows phone, but, you know, you don't necessarily want to use that thing. So maybe offload some of the responsibilities to other devices around you. But would that even work? Is it still compatible? No, it won't be compatible with Windows. <laughs> no, but I, like the, the DOS keyboard, you're <laughs> bypassing the phone entirely. You're signing up for notifications yeah, sure. directly from like your email and from your social media accounts and ah, sure, it'll give sure. you notifications to like what the weather is and stuff. But yeah. All right. Well, let me, uh, let me take a break here real quick. Uh, we have a new patron, uh, Papa blabs or Papa blabs, uh, has become a new patron. So thank you. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Papa blabs. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, so, uh, great. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's jump, uh, continue on to the news here. We've got another story, uh, Microsoft build, uh, their build conference was this week and uh, they've had a number of announcements and uh, some of them related to uh, Linux terminal. There's going to be a new, uh, new stuff for PowerShell. There was probably the sexiest terminal video ever made. You guys saw that. <laughs> yes. like, my God, uh, I got a little flustered, but uh, why don't you tell us uh, about this, Jeremy? What have we got to look forward to? All right, well, I mean, that, that's the, the first of the big ones is that uh, if you just can't stand dealing with a command shell that doesn't support emojis, the long wait is over. You will now be able to do that. It, 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 the day has finally come. Uh, Tongue-in-cheek aside, uh, from what Ars Technica saw, uh, because they got a little bit of hands-on t- time with it, it also runs about twice as fast. And if you have dealt with large PowerShell scripts, this is actually a wonderful thing because they take forever to do, especially if you run similar things on Linux where you know it's just on and done and away you go on to your next task. So it's 
you know, some interesting changes and some good ones as well. But along with that, they announced .NET 5, which is not .NET Framework, nor is it .NET Core, it is .NET, because this is not confusing. To make it even better, what it actually is, is their revamp of the Remote Visual Studio uh, interface. So you're now able to work with a team uh, which are scattered all across wherever and be able to work on code at the simultaneously, be able to sync what's going on. Uh, there's some new code testing behind the scenes, which will work. So essentially all it is is collaboration studios for Visual Studio, which we had a while ago, but needed a lot of work. So this refresh should be good because I mean, most of the programmers I know are working remotely. They, they very rarely are in an office or sitting close to the people that they're working with. And then the last one is, of course, the step back, because Microsoft always has to offer at least one step back during announcements. The new Chromium Edge is going to have an IE mode, much like you're used to compatibility mode on some of the older ones, or IE6 mode. Lord, no. Because many, corp yeah, because many corporations have really old programs that were built on ancient .NET, ancient JavaScript, that simply it won't work outside of the Internet Explorer engine. And damned if they're going to upgrade it before about 10 years has gone by. They're, they're still in discussions for the last decade. This will be the, the planning decade, and then 30 years from now, they will be ready to move on to Edge. Probably not Chromium Edge, but Edge. So on the plus side, it from the sounds of it, it is running in a sandbox inside of Edge Chromium. So the amount of damage that can be done should be minimized. But on the other hand, I mean, you're still playing with IE 11, so it, it wasn't the worst, it wasn't the best, but it's been around so long, everyone sort of knows how to play with it. And they also added, excuse me, some uh, ability to add in personalization. So if you want your corporate uh, logo on the site of every single one of these IE 11 inside Windows Edge Chromium pages to go, you can do it. So it's, it's very much at least aimed at uh, medium, large enterprise businesses, which Microsoft's not really been playing with much lately. So it's nice to see, but at the same time, like I, from my own job experiences, I would have loved them to just say, we are pulling the plug on this date. And if your crap don't work after that, we told you so. Yeah. Well, We'll see. I mean, how many, are you, cause you know, obviously you've seen this side of things. I mean, how bad is it with the IE dependent stuff? Like how pervasive you like getting paid. Really? That Payroll systems are one of the worst offenders. Oh, okay. And in many cases it's because they're attached to tax software from the government, mm. which is also oh, an incredibly bad one. In fact, you're lucky if they've got a E11 and TLS 1.0 enabled. Uh, so it, it's sort of a chain reaction of the suppliers haven't bothered, the corporations haven't bothered, and, you know, with the person holding the money is looking at it, well, there could be something happen, but there hasn't been so far, or I have to give you money. Yeah, we'll just see, and nothing will happen. It'll be fine. And, and even if it does, I mean, Ashley Madison's still around, so obviously there won't be any negative repercussions. Apparently not. Wow. All right. Well, we'll see how that uh, how that goes. Um, we're going to take a browser uh, is never going to die. Well, right. it won't. Yep. It's never going to die. I liked uh, Jeremy's joke there that you know they'll, they'll eventually get to Edge, but it'll be Edge HTML, not 
chromium. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, right. we're here. Yeah. Where is everybody? Um, all right. Well, compatibility uh, will go sit back in the corner. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, we have a new sponsor this week uh, that I want to talk about, and uh, it is Captera. And uh, if you've ever, you know, if you have a business, you have an organization, you probably need software. And, you know, maybe it's just basic stuff like, you know, word processing stuff that's kind of common to all businesses, or maybe it's highly specialized software. Well, how do you, how do you find that? You know, and, and then once you've found something, how do you evaluate it? How do you know that it's got the features you need? How do you know how it compares to, you know, other apps in the same field? How do you know if it's, if it's just a good app or not? You, you, you probably want to hear from users of those software applications and services, right? And that's where Captera comes in. Captera is the leading free, and I want to I want to stress that, free, completely free online resource to help you find the best software for for your business. And when I first heard about Captera, uh cuz I, I heard it, you know, I might have been another podcast ad or I saw them online cuz I I was familiar with them when they approached us about being an advertiser, but I was mistaken. I had thought that they were kind of focused on enterprise stuff, like IT stuff. The kind of stuff that the software that that big you know big organizations use to run their IT infrastructure, and they certainly do have that. But I really was mistaken because it's so much more than that. It is software for every type of business. It's software you know from something for an architecture firm to do project management, dentist office for patient records or or uh, staffing stuff like that. Yoga studios. They've got software for nonprofits, churches. Almost anything you can think of, they have software categories that they can help guide you to find what you need. More than 875,000 reviews in more than 700 specific software categories. And these are real reviews from real users. And that's kind of what I like about it too, because with this this sort of category view in terms of finding software by category, you you may know what you need. You may have this like a a, a CRM software, customer relationship management software that you know, and you're looking for an upgrade or you're looking to replace it. So you kind of know what you need, but sometimes you may not know what you need. And you do run a, a certain business. You run like an architecture firm or something. And you go in, you find the architecture category at Captera, and there's software you may not even know was out there, stuff that can improve your business, help you improve your efficiency, help you work better with your clients, manage your team, all kinds of great stuff there. And in addition to searching for specific software applications, Captera lets you compare software uh, between each other, different different options between the, uh, or different uh, applications in each category. You can rank the most popular software in each category. Uh, there's buying guides and sort of like top 20 lists, all kinds of great resources, uh, industry-specific uh, articles, tons of stuff. And again, it's free. No matter what kind of software your business needs, Captera makes it easy to discover the right solution fast. And it's free to you. No cost, no sign up, nothing. Just go to captera.com slash PCPer. That's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash PCPer. And because it is free, it's free for everyone. We don't have a deal or anything. So you could just go to captera.com. But if you do go to captera.com slash PCPer, that lets them know you found them through us and it helps us out. So we would appreciate that. captera.com slash PCPer. And I do want to do something real quick here. I just want to, uh, this is the Captera website, because I really want to emphasize how crazy their software categories are. Uh, for you, uh, the guys here on the show, what, what's a name of business type? Like uh, pick something out of the blue that you think we, you know there might be a, a uh, software shoe, shoe shining. 
Shoe shining. Let's personal see. massage. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, massage, massage therapy. <laughs> personal. Software. Well, okay. Well, it's not good. <laughs> so massage, th- right? massage therapy software. They've got the different software uh, solutions here with ratings, reviews. Again, these are real reviews from real, um, real viewer or real uh, customers. You can go to their website. You can look at the Captera uh, catalog. You can see the, the comparison screenshots of what the software looks like. It's a pretty amazing resource for finding software for your business. So go check that out. Again, that's captera.com slash PCPer. C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A.com slash PCPer. And we thank Captera for their support of the PC Perspective podcast. All right. Back to the show. And uh, we'll continue on with news. We've got a uh, a news story from uh or sorry a, a new product from Cooler Master. It's their first wireless Bluetooth mechanical gaming keyboard, the Cooler Master SK six two one. It's a compact keyboard, uh, so not for everyone for sure. But it's a pretty nice looking compact uh, mechanical switches. It's using the Cherry uh, low profile uh, switches, which sort of have a uh, an actuation similar to the red Cherry red style switches. Uh, so it's low profile, perky RGB lighting in a nice compact little case here. They say it gets up to 14 hours of battery life with the lights on and up to four months with the lights off. So obviously uh, that's why a lot of companies like uh, Cooler Master and Corsair and a lot of these companies are are putting a lot of effort into getting more energy efficient RGB lighting because it, it obviously uh, takes its toll there. Uh, but I know, uh, Brett, you, you had uh, expressed interest in our Discord chat about this keyboard. Uh, what do you what do you think uh, looking at this? Uh, I I like the way that it looks. I'm looking for a different keyboard other than the the low-profile Mac one that I have right now, and I wanted to try out to some different mechanical switches. I obviously spend an enormous amount of time at the keys, so, um, yeah, they, I, I love the old mechanical keyboards that I used to have, and I just haven't found a good one that fits in my keyboard tray that I've got here on my desk next to uh, the mousing area. So I need a, a smaller one. And there are there are very few that um, have that low profile mechanical. So I'm, I'm interested in taking a look at this one. I did buy one from a company called Keychron. And I was a little disappointed in how that one turned out because uh, I was getting a lot of key actuation prior to the registration and reset. And uh, they weren't really very helpful in, in uh, getting that fixed for me. Um, I got a partial refund off of it. Uh, they had a a Kickstarter that, you know, I went in on and it didn't turn out to be all that. But so I'm still looking. This looks good to me. I might try it out. Well, you know, get, getting any money back from Kickstarter is a win, right? I didn't, I didn't get it all. But, but again, anything, because you, usually uh, you don't get anything back when those, uh, when those don't pan out. I, com- or I complained a lot. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I sent them graphs. I sent, this should be the response. Your click rates is here. The The reset is here. This is wrong. Maybe they, didn't, they just wanted me to go away. Uh, well, that's a, it's an effective strategy. Um, but uh, all right, so that's the Cooler Master SK621 mechanical wireless Bluetooth gaming keyboard with uh, with RGB, perky RGB. All right, next up is an interesting story. Uh, it is sort of an insane little product here from ASRock. It's a mini ITX motherboard for Xeon scalable processors. <laughs> Why don't you uh, tell us about this, uh, Sebastian? Well, yeah, it's it's one of those products where instantly the comments are, why? Why would anybody want this? And it's 
it's uh, Serve the Home, uh, who does server reviews and that sort of thing. They got their review of it up this morning, I think. And their conclusion is basically, it's they, they called it an audacious design. It's one of the most intriguing products just because of the audacity of another board's design, they said. It, it, you're taking the latest Xeon socket, and it's the C621 chipset. And implementing it in mini ITX, which means everything has to be sized down. The the socket itself is 40% of the total size of the motherboard. So then quad channel memory is shrunk down to four SODIM slots, which severely limits, obviously, your, your total capacity. And power delivery is not going to be as robust as it would be on a larger board, of course. And you have a six-phase power, um, uh, six-phase VRMs, fairly small heat sinks on this. And... It, as to why anybody would want this, I, I'm not exactly sure. You could make yourself a, a killer little blade server. But very often, the smaller form factor, like the shower, shallower depth servers, are on other platforms. I would imagine they would be on ARM platforms. But you can put up to a 28-core Xeon on this thing if you really want to. And I was looking over some of the benchmark results from the original review which was on a russian language website that i linked to in the news post and then i serve the home and this is something where paired up with like an eight core xeon you're getting a total power draw of around 200 watts and you know the those kinds uh, like that kind of power draw the, the sort of load um like the thermals are easily controlled with something that would fit on this board because not every cooler of course is going to fit and if you're watching the video like the m.2 stores there are two slots around the bottom side of the board which is not uncommon for mini itx anyway but you know the, the same caveats that anybody has when they're planning a very small form factor build you're going to run into here like mini itx only has one pcie slot but it's just kind of interesting you know as does this they they're the one company that will see it through and release a product like this, they did it with uh, the last uh, 2011 V3 socket, I think. And there was like one cooler on the market at that time that even properly fit on that board. And they, they did the same thing with the four SODIM slots for the memory. So I wasn't really surprised. I just, I looked at the news post. I, I kind of like took a double take and realized that it was ASRock. I'm like, of course, ASRock, they always do this. So if you have a need or just, desire building the most ridiculous mini itx system imaginable in the smallest possible space they are always the company to go to it's it's their asrock rack series the epc 621 d4i-2m i'm holding it for the epic version right i love the idea of this board i'm glad it exists i i approve you know jeremy they they do they're the one company that i know of that does amd Mini ITX. I don't. I don't remember if they're the ones who just came out with the AMD thin Mini ITX, but yeah. they have in their A three hundred series of mini desktops. They have a um, what is it? E. There's a there's a sub. It's like the old Intel five by five. I cannot remember the name of the form factor right now, but the motherboards that they ship with the desk mini, I think it's the A three ten lets you put a Ryzen processor into a sub mini ITX form factor. So they've, they've the, the done or, STX or something. Yeah. S yeah. Is it STX? Yeah. STX. That's the Thanks. power supply. Oh yeah. You're right. Uh, what do you hook it up? <sighs> Regardless. But, yeah. It, it's silliness. And yeah. I kind of like it. Yeah. 
I, I approve and I want more. I want more ultra small form factor things that are not necessarily uh, logical. I like how well, uh, populated the back of that board is. If you could pull up that picture yeah. again and just appreciate just how much stuff they've had to pack and how many layers that board must be and uh, how many components are actually put onto the backside. I'm impressed. Yeah, that's that's a lot going on there. You got to make sure your risers are tall enough, though. Huh? Oh, yeah, that's kind of important <laughs> on this one. I was, I was thinking about that, that they probably <laughs> include some extra tall risers uh, for just for this, you know. You can incident. see one in the bottom left there. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, that's that's actually the attachment point for the hold down on the 2280 uh, mil or the. Oh, yeah. The oh, long, yeah. It yeah. will be, won't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Man. All right. Well, some crazy stuff from Azrock there. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see if it comes to Epic. Similarly dense systems. Uh, speaking of AMD uh, in general, we've got some news. Uh, if you recall, a few weeks ago, AMD came out with their uh, second-gen Ryzen Pro mobile processors, and uh, that was the, the sort of uh, the soft launch of announcing the SKUs, and now we've got some systems that they're starting to appear in. Uh, the uh, One of the ones we were briefed on was the Lenovo ThinkPad line. Lenovo's got three new ThinkPads coming out. It's the, uh, the T495, T495S, and X395, and they're all going to be available with those second-gen processors, which, again, range from the Athlon branded on the low end up to the Ryzen, uh, I think it's the Ryzen 7 3700U, Ryzen 7 Pro 3700U. And uh, they they have a Vega graphics there as well. Of course, these are APUs. So the, uh, the ThinkPad T495 is a 14-inch uh, laptop. Uh, it's going to be available uh, this month starting at $939. The 495S is also 14 inches and uh, is going to be available in June for a little bit higher price, uh, starting at 1089. And then the X395 is that smaller 13-inch model, uh, also starting in June at 1089. Uh, so some stuff to look forward to if you're uh, if you're uh, an AMD fan, you want to get a nice uh, slick uh, or sleek, I should say, uh, uh, professional-looking laptop with AMD processor and vega graphics not you know not not super crazy gaming graphics but you know pretty pretty decent apu for all-around computing uh check these out uh over at lenovo and we've lost sebastian i think he's off folding a comforter um but uh let's uh let's uh let's uh continue on with the news while we'll see if he comes back to us uh and again continuing with amd we've got uh you know maybe some somewhat slightly bad news about Threadripper. We kind of thought maybe we'd see it uh, sooner, but AMD took it off their roadmap. Uh, why don't you tell us about this, Jeremy? Yeah, it's, it's kind of sad at first glance that they're not talking about uh, the third generation of Threadripper because it's just one of their more exciting parts to have come out in quite a while and, frankly, is one of the more exciting parts to come out in the industry recently. But... It's not all bad news. Uh, the, the Inquirer had a couple of thoughts as to why this would be. One is that in the slide deck is mention of 7 nanometer plus. So sometime next year, AMD is going to be refining their 7 nanometer to... I, I, we don't know what it means when there's a plus beside it anymore, other than it's, it's a more mature way of doing uh, the 7 nanometer process. So it could be that they decided they'll just hold out 
and wait till that's ready. And Threadripper 3 will be one of the first processors that we see on that process node, which, you know, is not necessarily a bad thing. The other one makes a little more sense, which is at this point with the limited capacity uh, at seven nanometer, it makes sense to pump out as many ROM processors as you can continue the trend that they've had, which is they're starting to gain share in the market share and market share in the server market. So by being able to pump out more and more and more ROM at the same time that Intel is still dealing with a backlog of orders and still, you know, having some issues with a lot of their high-end processors, it makes it far more attractive to go to AMD and they can take advantage of this and grab some of that server share simply because they've got stuff you can buy. So, you know, I'm sad, but it's probably not the worst thing that I can't buy a Threadripper 3 in the next couple of months. I'm going to be looking at the new Ryzen's and Navi's to be you know, honest. So maybe save me some money until next year. But along with that, and as I alluded to, is that uh, Intel's having issues with their, their higher end. They announced today that they are expecting to see uh, an end to the CPU drought on the low end in June. So expect the i3s, uh, the mobile parts, to start appearing in larger quantities. But it's great news for AMD because, as we just heard in the last story, it's a little too late. There's already companies like Lenovo that are starting to offer AMD lines that they haven't done before. And the case for the reason behind this is, seems pretty obvious is that they simply couldn't get parts from Intel to be able to build their next lineup of product that they have to get ready, shipped, and sold before Christmas. And saying, okay, yeah, by June, we should have some more product for you. That's a very tight timeline. And, you know, might mean that you're trying to launch new product right at Christmas. Which, you know, sometimes works, but a lot of the time you need it already in the shelves. You need people talking about it and seeing how good or poorly it performs. So it's good for Intel that, you know, they're starting to get out these i3s. But at the same time, I honestly, where I look at it, they're going to be a little bit late for this, uh, the upcoming two quarters. And it won't be 2020 until Dell's and Lenovo's and that are still, all right, yep, okay, if, as long as this has been true and the supply has been steady, we're going to maybe back off on the AMD products or if the AMD products sell well, maybe we'll start having two lineups, which would be very nice to see. It's been a long time. Oh yeah. A little more competition. Yeah. And I guess we should also mention, I, I didn't include it here. Um, the, uh, uh, frontier supercomputer. Uh, oh, AMD, right. Yeah. AMD got the win on that. That came out. I think it was yesterday. Uh, it's the uh, computer that's going to go into the Oak Ridge national laboratory uh, replaces Summit, I think, is the current system there, which is an IBM Power9 and NVIDIA-based uh, system. And this uh, this Frontier system being built by Cray will use Epic CPUs and Radeon Instinct GPUs for a 1.5 exaflop maximum performance level, uh, which will be a uh, the new world record if they hit that and there's no other changes, uh, changes there. So that'll be interesting to, to follow. And so not only is AMD getting all of that system, but then there's the what is what is the uh, the Intel system Arcadia or there's another supercomputer going online uh, next year that's going to be based entirely on Intel Intel CPUs and uh, Z uh, is it Z is that how you pronounce their compute uh, GPU 
XE? I don't know. Sure. The X, I've just been calling it XE. But the point is, it'll be that'll be all Intel, and this one will be all AMD, and those will both be exaflop scale machines and or, or, or systems, and that leaves NVIDIA yeah. out of both of those uh, for now. So mm-hmm. interesting that uh, going to a full stack or you know full full service provider of getting your CPU and GPU from the same manufacturer. And, and being able to get around some of the interconnect latencies and things like that. Uh, it's leaving NVIDIA in an interesting position. So Was it worded on the uh, article that these were um, GPUs and CPUs that have yet to be released? I don't think they meant current gen on anything. Oh, right? no. Yes. It, it's, yeah, uh, it'll be Epic, Epic class and Instant class, but yeah. using some future, you know, and they weren't clear. Yeah. This is 2021, so we're not clear what generation... Lisa Sue did say they would be custom parts, so which obviously, yeah, you know, unsurprising. But custom. so we don't know um, exactly what Zen level of Zen generation will will be in. How much Epic. Zen you'll have in there, right? And also Infinity Fabric, it'll be a, a new implementation there because what they described, uh, it would be one Epic CPU using Infinity Fabric to talk to four Radeon Instinct GPUs uh, per node. So that's again, we don't. Uh, we don't know how that'll uh, work out once that uh, is detailed fully, but uh, but they're aiming for 1.5 exaflops. That's what they say the yeah. the goal is. So pretty crazy. And whoever sucks down the least power will be the winner. Right. Yep. I was going to say they... coming from Power Nine to Epic is yeah. probably going to be massive on that mm-hmm. sort of scale. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I, I can't recall. There there was some estimates on uh, power numbers. I don't recall exactly what they are, but the information's out there. It's the uh, the Frontier supercomputer. All right. Uh, one last news story, something of a nostalgic uh, topic here. Uh, you guys remember Power Toys? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. The Windows, they, I think they were first introduced in Windows 95. They hung around uh, up through XP. You know, they, they some of them, some of them still kind of worked into Vista and, and even 7, but, but the, you know, their heyday was, was the 95, 98 XP era. And these were, you know, little utilities of, of various usefulness uh, that Microsoft would package into, or you could, you know, download them and and uh, and, and uh, integrate them into your Windows installation. The best known one, I think, is Tweak UI, which was a little utility that lets you customize shortcut icons and uh, font spacing and tons of little little UI uh, tweaks, as the name would imply. Those were the original Power Toys. And Microsoft sort of rebooting it, but not rebooting it in, um, how am I going to say this? Not rebooting it the way that J.J. Abrams rebooted Star Trek, but rebooting it like the Ghostbusters reboot. So it's the name, but everything's different. So these, these new, uh, uh, and I, I didn't mean to apply, imply any uh, type of quality uh, uh, judgment there, just saying that it's, it's the name Power Toys, but we're not getting like new versions of those old Power Toys. We're getting... A whole new toys, sort of in the spirit of those original toys. And uh, sorry, I just had to mute Sebastian there. Your uh, your audio is. Uh, we had some feedback coming through. Uh, all right, try that again. Is this laundry? Using... <laughs> is it your laundry? I, I was yeah. I was I was just saying, Jim, you cannot dig yourself out of the hole you've created with that comparison. That's all. What what <laughs> comp- what what hole? Nothing. Nothing, nothing about the Ghostbusters reboot at all is controversial in any way on the internet. It is no, it, look, Star, when Star Trek was rebooted. It was the same characters, just in a, like a, you know, a new version, but the same characters. And Ghostbusters mm-hmm. threw away everything that my childhood valued right. and destroyed it. Yes, 
But right. Chris Hemsworth was in it, and he was funny. Anyway, well, he was having a blast in that movie. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> with Power Toys, uh, the, the they've got a whole bunch that they're planning, but the first couple that are coming out, the one of them is going to be a maximized to new desktop widget. So this would be something that you hover over a window, and when you click it, it will take that window and maximize it onto a new virtual desktop for you. So, you know, again, small little things, but could be very helpful. And the second one that they've uh, detailed here is the Windows Key Shortcut Guide. So you hold down the Windows key and uh, sort of an overlay appears showing you what you can combine that key with to do certain common things. So it's basically a little cheat sheet for keyboard shortcuts uh, right on the screen. Uh, and then looking ahead, they're, they're talking about things like replacing the Win, Win R run environment you know, window. Uh, better alt tab browsers, something for battery life on mobile devices, a batch file renamer, all kinds of neat little things. It's all going to be open source. Uh, Microsoft is uh, running the project over at GitHub. So we've got the link there on the story. Head on over to that page to kind of uh, see the progress of these. They say they're also soliciting feedback uh, for the order that in which they should develop some of these future ones. But you can expect those those two first power toys, the shortcut guide and the maximized to new desktop widget to be out this summer. All right. So I'm excited to try those. Those should be fun and open source, you know, good for Microsoft. Okay. Let's jump up into the picks of the week. I'll go first. Uh, I've got an app that sounds like uh, one of those kind of scammy apps that you, you know, download uh, from various uh, unsavory websites, but it's actually not, a scam. It's the 4K video downloader, which is an actual app, and it's actually a pretty nice little app. It's it's free. There's a premium mode that gives you some some uh, better functionality. But the point of this is this is a, an app that can download from YouTube, download from Facebook, Vimeo, lots of these sites that have video. It allows you to grab a local copy and you know save it in a format, either native the native format that it was uploaded in, or you can auto convert to a different format, or just extract the audio. And there's lots of apps that do this kind of stuff, but this one's clean, doesn't have any malware, doesn't have any adware. It's, I've been using it for probably a year now, and it's, it's been a nice, handy little app. Uh, like sometimes on this podcast, we'll talk about uh, another YouTube channel, and I want to put a little clip in. So I'll download the video, put the clip in uh, into uh, Final Cut, and, and do that whole thing there. So it's the 4K video downloader, a free download. If you want, you can go to the premium version, which lets you like subscribe to YouTube channels um, so that it'll auto download new episodes as they become available. If you kind of want to archive a YouTube channel, uh, things like that, it's 15 bucks uh, for a, a personal license that you can use it on uh, three computers. So, uh, so if you're, if you need to download some, some videos from YouTube or Vimeo or stuff like that, uh, check it out. It's a pretty handy little app, uh, 4kdownload.com. All right. Uh, and uh, next up is who's got the Ram. Who was that? Uh, Jeremy. Oh yeah, I was going to say you. I used that. I've used that 4K uh, downloader in the past. Yeah, it's a nice it little app. Yeah, doesn't upsample things to 4K though, which is kind of misleading. Uh, well, it can download the 4K. Like it was one of the first yeah. uh, standalone apps that could, when YouTube went to 4K, that could actually download those those yes. original 4K files. So I think that's where the the name comes from. But, uh, giving you an infection. Uh, right. All right. Uh, what's uh, what's your pick here? 
Ah, so I was digging around on the leaderboards, uh, just to update some stuff, and I ran into what is a damn good deal for 16 gigs of 3466 DDR4. $120 bucks is not bad at all. And you can pick up two kits, because most of these 32 gig kits are phoning around $250, $280, so this will still save you. Of course, it's not quite as good a deal in Canada, but I did uh, include a very similar link uh, to that, which is also in there. Uh, sorry, it didn't load. I don't. I, I think. Uh, I think I missed it. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. So it's a little bit more, but comparatively speaking, it is about the same. Like if you did that uh, Canadian to American translation, it'd come out to about the same amount of money. It's, it's nice. There's a lot more platforms that are supporting this higher frequency RAM. And of course, the best thing is that if your machine won't quite do it at that speed, you'll probably be able to tighten your timings at 3200 or a lower frequency and just have a lot of fun. All right. Um, and this is an example of, of making it up in volume. Because if you just buy two of the <laughs> smaller kit and save save money. All right, uh, next up, I gotta get back to the right tab here. We've got uh, Brett with a very fun pick. Uh, why don't you tell us what you got it for seemed, us? It seemed uh, it seemed appropriate for uh, for me especially to kind of harken back to maybe you know an earlier uh, day for uh, PCPro.com, considering all the work that we did to kind of drag it forward. Uh, yeah, this is, I know you kind of look at this and you're like, man, this is a super clean design and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you can kind of work towards that and get rid of all that uh, accessibility and uh, and responsive nature. But, uh, you know, I had a, one way of talking about this, but the other way, of course, is the reality is look how far you've come. Uh, I think, uh, you know, this is uh, reminiscent of uh, so many late 90s or mid 90s designs and uh, humble beginnings. Um, but I was hoping that you would uh, throw in, if anybody could, some commentary because I only saw the previous site as the the Drupal site, and I wasn't a, a patron, you know, uh, back in this era. So I never saw it until I pulled it up in the the Wayback Machine earlier tonight, thinking like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to kind of show, you know, sure. what the site used to look like? And I'm, I, I didn't know, so you know, I punched it up, and I was like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, this is quite dramatic. Oh. Uh, but some of these links Jeremy still work, knows. by the way. Well, yeah. So if you actually click some of these things, you can actually, uh, some mm -hmm. of them will actually work. So go ahead and, and uh, give it a try. I mean, the images won't, but, uh, you know, some of the links will take you to different content pages and things. Uh, so for those of you who are still pining for the everything on one page, yeah, you can always use this. And just to clarify for our audio only listeners, we're looking via the Wayback Machine at PCPro.com's infancy when it was actually known as AMDMB.com. Which was its second yeah, people coming. should That's true. Yeah, pe people should remember that uh, you were, you know, at one time, all AMD all the time. Oh, yeah. That's where it was at. Yeah. yeah. The AF one. Except for the audio chipset on the motherboards. Yeah, but you can always go get yourself we a creative audio, audio card. Always true. I think I still have an Athlon, uh, or I still have a 2600 uh, machine upstairs. On a, on a VIA board, I think. Man, I would love to have seen these images, too. I guess... Because a lot of this content is actually on our site still, but uh, I, I don't think the images that's came through. That's true. That's that's true. I mean, you know, yeah. I did hand move every every bite. No, that's that's not true. <laughs> oh, hey Jim, I got an image for you. Mm. Hey, this page is brought oh. to you by Intel and Nvidia. 
This is a 700 megahertz AMD Athlon processor with attached uh, heat sink. You see a nice little fan there. Ready to go? Is that a PWM fan? Uh, No. No. no, Your your three-wire variety. Not especially quiet. But hey, you, you need the cooling power... So you, uh, yeah, this is the 700 megahertz version. This was made all the way up to a gigahertz, the elusive one gigahertz version of this, which is very hard to find these days on eBay. But uh, K7M fans out there will remember this site's very earliest origins. We've come a long way, baby. I thought that would be a, a nice throwback for today, considering you know yep. I, I actually volunteered to say, hey, you know, if you ever need someone for the fourth square you know let me know and you did you know then you threw it then you threw it at me like 50 minutes before the uh yeah before show time exactly i was getting the notes ready and i was like oh wait josh isn't here hey yeah i was just if you weren't uh if you weren't here i was just gonna put this up and uh just put this in josh's square for the whole show oh but uh, anyway i appreciate you uh extending the offer so Thanks. Sure, sure. Um, all right, Sebastian's got a uh, the last pick for us. Uh, did I get the right link here? Are uh, you looking at the sandblasted guitar? I am. So, so, so Jim, it is it is electronic. This is an electric guitar. This we're looking at the Fender Sandblasted Stratocaster. This is basically their American special from last year, and they have a new they have a new series. This is like the entry level American guitars from Fender. But this is uh, different retailers get their own custom variants. This one is cool, though. I've been looking at this too much the last few days. And by talking about it here, I can hopefully get it out of my system and resist the urge to make an extremely unwise and not at all spouse-approved purchase. But they basically take a Stratocaster body. This is your typical Alder body. And they put a base coat on it, and then they sandblast it. So. I didn't really think about this, but they put a grain filler compound on these on these blocks of wood before they're milled. So when they sandblast it, you have these really dark grain patterns once they get through the top surface of the wood. So very unusual looking guitar. And uh, I don't really ever talk about it on PC Per stuff, but I'm a huge like Stratocaster specifically guitar nut. And I've owned many, many, many Fender guitars and parted them out and built my own because they all bolt together. And while I don't approve of the black uh, pickup covers and knobs on this, I would use antique white myself. This is an interesting looking guitar that I must now close this tab and never look at it again. Yeah. Well, if you, uh, for those of you out here want to hear a little bit of Sebastian's uh, guitar skills, I think he played a, a few tunes for us uh, back during the Christmas special. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the infamous Christmas special. Uh, the only time I ever had to censor Josh got a little out of hand. See, but, you've uh, only been doing this for a short time. Josh has been censored, I think, many times in the past. Oh, maybe okay. not. Maybe maybe Ryan just let it go. I don't. I, I, everyone was surprised when I, they heard the beep. But uh, I didn't want to take any chance, chances. Uh, didn't want to offend anyone. Of course. 
Yes, um, John, I, I thought you had. Uh, you told me you had standards, or was it no standards? I don't remember. No, I what said we had no standards. You, 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 you as a, a normal functioning human being, had expressed concern about, you know, am I going to be able to, you know, perform and you know do do my duties and and yeah. fit in with the crew? And I said no. It's, yeah, there's nothing. It's just a couple of idiots who get together and talk about tech. Generally, once a week. Only danger is tripping on the bar because you certainly aren't going to go under it. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, just a, again, a reminder for those who joined us in the middle um, that is Brett up there in the upper right square or rectangle. Uh, he is the uh, web designer for our new website at pcpro.com. He's over at Binary Studios. Uh, is it binarystudios.net? Is that the, it is. the URL? All right. And, uh, and somebody in he, England had the dot com. Oh. Well, 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 Josh is over there, so we'll send um, we'll send him to take care of that for you. So yes, Josh is uh, not not gone to Intel. He's just gone for the week uh, uh, in England visiting with uh, some industry partners, and uh, he'll be back next week. But uh, a, again, a, a huge thank you to Brett and uh, and his wife Michelle at Blue Sky Phoenix who did the design for the site. So uh, a complete overhaul. They accomplished the impossible. Never thought we'd get there, but we've got. We dragged our content kicking and screaming out of that Drupal nightmare and into WordPress. And yeah. uh, we're pretty pleased with it. And we hope you are too. If you do, if you do want to, uh, if you need to redesign a website, you're looking at marketing, branding strategies for, for pretty much anything, right? You guys kind of handle any, any content category. And have. And have, yes. Very, a lot of experience. You can check out uh, their portfolio. I'm sure they'll, they'll uh, have lots of stuff for you, but uh, check them out. Uh, Blue Sky Phoenix and BinarySpecialStudios.net, uh, and a, a complete uh, unreserved recommendation from us. You can you can see their work in action Thanks. at PCPro.com. So uh, now your that, website can be sexier than you are. Well, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, well, that's it. Thanks for joining us, folks. Uh, again, a reminder: uh, the podcast next week may be on Tuesday. It certainly will not be on Wednesday, and I won't be home until I think. Friday, so we might, we'll have to we have to sort it out, but uh, it just won't be Wednesday, likely Tuesday, maybe Friday. Uh, but uh, to make sure you don't miss it. Go to pcpro.com/slash subscribe, join our mailing list, and you'll know for sure when that show will be. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. Hope everyone has a good one. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.